Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Christopher Miller, and I'm welcoming you to The Bandwagon, where we discuss hot topics on issues in the world today. Uh, my background is in military intelligence and history, and I'm here with my colleague, Elizabeth West, who has a background in criminal justice. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for asking and stuff. So let's jump right into it. Netflix's Dahmer. What are your thoughts? Um. Well, based on the some a few assignments that I was lucky to be able to divert the actual topic and choose my own topic for the assignments I was doing during my criminal just uh, bachelor's in criminal justice program, I was able to learn a lot about Dahmer. And based on my research, that show was the most accurate portrayal that I've ever seen. And I, during my research period, I read everything, watched every documentary, every interview, newsreel that I could possibly find. And the show itself, like, even I got a little nauseous. And it's not like I hadn't seen the pictures before, but it was like a gut check, like, holy, holy hell. Yeah, this it was is pretty intense. So realistic. Like, this is so, like, everything, even the smallest details. Well, it did come across to me as a first-time uh, viewer and also kind of new to the Dahmer's topic. Um, very detailed, as you say, in nature and things. As a historian, you know, those little details come uh, come into play quite a lot into how things turn out in this and that. So do you feel the way they presented it portrayed an accurate timeline and evolution of Dahmer's actions? Overall, yes. Yeah. I do. Uh, they... The the first thing that surprised me was, was when the father and the mother were arguing in one of the first episodes about how many pills she was taking every day. And I think that number came to something in the upper 20s, lower 30s. I, I, I do know for sure that she was prescribed barbiturates. Like, I don't know what it was. The actual medicine was called then, but a barbiturate now by a, by a, a, a well-known name is a Xanax that she was you a fetus hello baby in there in addition to that it was morphine and then other antidepressants antipsychotics anti-anxiety now physicians know how detrimental that can be to a developing fetus back then they didn't have the knowledge but now they do they're not going to prescribe that to a pregnant woman just willy-nilly Correct. Right. I see where you're coming from. So let me ask you, uh, the show shows that when he was a young child, Dahmer was a little bit strange, perhaps, but for the most yes. part, appeared to be semi, uh, you know, mostly normal, as you would say, um, yes. normal. Um, how do you feel saying the 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 statement you just did about all the, the pills the mother's taking during his uh, uh, during her pregnancy and his in his birth up to his birth? How do you feel that? they may have affected him when it didn't seem to uh, show those first few years. You, you, wouldn't it have shown a little earlier, perhaps, you know, um, some mental uh, you know, issues and things like that? You would certainly think so. Now, there's also something, and for some reason, I don't remember being in the show, but I think it was. I think maybe I stepped out of the room or something. Um, when I think it was four, between four and six years old, Dahmer had to go into the hospital for a hernia in his scrotum to be repaired. Four years old, nobody told him what was going on. Nobody explained to him that he was gonna be having surgery cut wide open. Um, and then according to one of the nurses or a mother's account, I don't remember which, he, when he was coming out of anesthesia, he actually asked the person if they had removed their his genitalia, it hurt so bad. This was a truly traumatic event for such a young child and family, friends and family have said, and I believe like, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, definitely friends and family have said that after Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer had that surgery, he was never the same. He was standoffish. He was withdrawn. He wouldn't go play with other kids. Something, it was a traumatic event for him in his life. Right. So I can't say how much, cause I don't know. I'm, I never got to meet Dahmer. I am an ex not an expert by any means, but I do believe that the medications had a play into it. And I just don't know how far, but you have to think about it. 
think about the knowledge that the physicians today have on those meds. Mm -hmm. They know what it can cause. Unfortunately, after Dahmer's death, the, I, one of the parents wanted his brain studied by science. The other did not. That one won. That's correct. The show it shows that that in court, the court ruled inside the father who had the brain destroyed. Now, my question with this is, um, did the hernia have any complications? Or was there anything with the medications that he had reactions to or anything that may have uh, exasperated the, the, the meds his mom was taking earlier? No? Not that I know of, but it's it's possible that the anesthesia could have had an effect, the traumatic event that triggered something in his brain that triggered something else. I mean, who knows at this point? But it that's how his life began before he was even born. So, I mean, he had no chance from the get-go. Don't get me wrong. I have no sympathy for his acts whatsoever. Let me get that clear right now. The man was evil and he committed evil acts. My question, my question would be, is had he been born in a different time where there was more medical knowledge, more psychological knowledge, more medications that could help. And then even so far as to go into, um, I don't want to say uh, taboo things, but I mean, there are ways today that he could have had control without anybody getting harmed, which in the long run, his ultimate desire was for control. So nobody would leave him. He had severe abandonment issues and, We'll get further along in that as the discussion goes. Sure, sure. No worries. All right. So then we we believe in your case that your evidence and research has shown that uh, uh, the environment was an important or integral part into how he eventually evolved into the Jeffrey Dahmer that was later captured for the, he uh, the heinous crimes he committed. Um, were there other things, were there other things uh, throughout his life? And it was like, for example, was he bullied? Um, did he do well in school or have trouble in school? Dyslexia, um, this kind of nature. Okay, so when how, when his little brother was born, he kind of became forgotten by the, by the mother. The mother doted on the little brother. That was her baby. Um, Jeffrey was always a little strange. Like, there's no doubt about that whatsoever um but in school like i said before he was standoffish he was withdrawn and then he also started drinking at a very young age i believe the last research showed between 13 and 14 years old how did he got get alcohol look man we're think about the time period we're talking about i mean we're talking the 70s Okay, no ID laws in effect at this point, or laps I mean, at the at the minimum. Yeah, um, it got to, he was drinking at school to the point where uh, a school security guard, school teacher, somebody saw found him in the car drinking, and he said, "Oh, I've got problems at home," and the counselor knows all about it, and they just left it at that. There was no further inquiry on that, like. How do to you, what, how? To what extent do you believe that the school and the teachers and the security guard that you just mentioned should be held, say, accountable, for lack of a better term, into how maybe they could have recognized these symptoms and prevented future evolution of Jeffrey Dahmer from occurring and no murders happening? Do you think that uh, it's unfair to place blame on the counselors and, and the teachers, or do you think they share a measure of responsibility? I think all of the adults in Jeffrey Dahmer's life when he was growing up share responsibility, should be sharing responsibility, every single one. But I think the same thing of kids today. If there's a kid that goes off the rails for whatever reason, and I'm not saying it goes as far as Dahmer, but if a kid goes off the rails, it's every adult in that child's life, but the adults don't work together now. I don't know how well they did then. I wasn't around. So, um, but I mean, if you think about it, they say it takes a village. It really does. And if the village isn't communicating, you know, the counselors weren't talking to the security guards or the teachers and the te they weren't talking to the parents and then the parents barely talked to each other. So how were they going to take care of the kid? That's true. That's true. And back then, uh, uh, that's when we started seeing people were less and less working together as a community, more and more individualism. Um, yeah. Speaking on the individual 
individualism aspect in today's society, as we see the schools are trying to deal with all these kinds of issues with mental health and, and uh, broken homes and, and, and education itself. How do you think we can implement um, programs or maybe some uh, 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 awareness things to, to, to when we see this in a child or in the school or whatever, uh, we can maybe possibly address it. Do you think we should need more legislation, funding, um, maybe health professionals located at the school? So if you see a child maybe starting to have issues or maybe need a talk or something because of things in their environment, what would you do? And would these kinds of programs help in Jeffrey Dahmer's time in his case, for example? Well, I mean, there's already way more programs today. Uh, kids today, if they have a problem, there's phone numbers that they can text to talk to somebody. Wow. I mean, there is Are they way effective? More. I don't know. I would have to assume so because sometimes when, like, sometimes when you have nobody to talk to, having somebody to talk to, even if it's through a text message, mm -hmm. it's something. It's, it's enough to have somebody hear you. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. There's times when you would just like to have someone just listen. And I do agree that uh, modern technology enables us in a lot of new ways to interact with one another and possibly be able to, um, you know, help each other when these kinds of stressful situations and things come into play. Now, so yeah, let's take an but what did what did you what did you think of the Dahmer show? Why well, I, I thought it was really well done. Uh, I learned quite a lot of good information from it uh, that I didn't previously know. Um, I am not a nurture uh, person. I am a nature person. So I tend to believe a person's characteristics are, are generally the same and come from themselves. Um, however, you don't think that environment has anything to do with it. I think environment plays a part, but at the end of the day, especially when you're a grown adult, as is in the case of Jeffrey Dahmer, you make and make decisions and you know the consequences, which he admitted to he knew right from wrong. Yes, so I he did. believe then that is now nature. He knew right from wrong. He didn't try to, he even didn't blame anything else. He just said, I wanted to do it. I had a compulsion. So to me, that is nature. Now, um, the question with that is, is the nature, and this is where I but agree with you to an extent, developed by nurture or or the environment nurturing like you said i believe in his it addiction is he was he was a true alcoholic and there is i believe it's in his interview mm -hmm. one of them or maybe it's even in his um his interrogation tapes he admits that he had to drink heavily through every single murder every mm -hmm. single one he had to have the alcohol to get through it and then that's how he lived his days i mean he was just he was an alcoholic. There's no doubt about it. And a bad so, one at that. So are you trying to imply or infer that the alcohol was a way of dampening his ability to reason? Like he knew it was wrong. He wanted to do it. So he could have stopped himself perhaps without the alcohol present. I don't know, because considering the psychological issues that I do believe he had, like, mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes People with mental health issues have serious impulse control problems, uh, and it is beyond their ability. Now, he might have been one that the alcohol just lowered his inhibitions enough to where it didn't make it hard anymore. I see. So, I, see. I, I agree. That's when they talk about liquid courage, you know. Um, you know, I thought about some liquid courage before this presentation, let me tell you myself. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> You're just talking but, uh, to me. You know, um, it, it tends to alcohol tends to lower inhibitions and things like that. So I can see. Now how I am no, I am no way in no way am I blaming only the alcohol or right, only right. one thing. There are so many things that add up. It's not. It, it is in in the long run. It is Jeffrey Dahmer as a whole, Correct. not. But it is everything about him that. Sometimes you like, okay, if there is a upper class person that automatically just switch, flips a switch and goes out killing and they've had a great upbringing and they've been very privileged and these things and, you know, 
people are going to look at that and go, I wonder why. I wonder what happened. But if you take a look at Dahmer's background from within the womb on, life was against him from the beginning. And now that is not an excuse. I mean, there are, it, it's everything. It, it's not an excuse for anybody to act like that. It's not. Correct. You're it's, right. Because a lot of people have struggled. It's not an excuse. It's an explanation. Right. It, I, I see where you're coming with this point. Um, it's it's uh, like you like we said, there's a lot of people that have uh, issues um, with mental health or family and this and that, and they don't go out and they murder any people. Uh, in his case, though, I do agree to an extent that uh, there were factors that helped guide him towards his eventual path. Um, yes. You know, uh, I still think his nature because and uh, and again, I was thinking of you watching the series because I knew we were going to have this debate. I was there the whole time. Nope. Evil. He's evil. He's evil. And then there's a couple of cases where I was like, well, you know what? There were some times where they could have stopped him early or they could have perhaps given him help and things could have been different. And then it changed back with his admission Mm -hmm. that he knew right from wrong. And then I said, so see, to me, that's what makes the difference. Okay, so then here we go into his first murder. Hold, just give me give me half a second. I need to flip some pages here. No worries. That's, um, we go to his first victim, Stephen Hicks, mm-hmm. 1978. Do you remember what happened building up to that? Um, no, refresh me. Okay, so I believe the, it was the jogger, two weeks. correct? No, the jogger actually got away. Um, he was planning to. I mean, I think he was going to kill the jogger. I'm not real sure, but I, you know, that was the plan. But the actual story on the jogger is that the jogger decided to go a different way and Dahmer wasn't able to get him. I don't know what happened on that given day. I think somebody was filling in the blanks. I could be wrong. I don't know. Okay. But Stephen Hicks, that was a couple weeks after his high school graduation. His mother had abandoned him at the family home. This is after, mind you, his dad had already moved out and was living in, I think, a motel across town. We're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer here. Yes, Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. His, uh, yes, sorry. Um, and back then, when parents split up, the kids stayed with the mom and the dad just kind of checked in whenever. So he wasn't really checking in on the kids. So he had no idea that Jeffrey Dahmer was living in the family home alone. Like now, couldn't we say though that that was a failure on the father's part? Why wouldn't you check in? Both, both. Mother took off, so we already know that she has a blame, uh, a part in this in this section of his life. But yes, he has the blame too. Why was the father not checking in? Where was he? I think he was. He was meeting his new girlfriend. Just out doing whatever, right? He was meeting his new girlfriend, who did later become his wife. I see. I see. But so, Jeffrey Dahmer was an adult at this time, right? He was about 18, 19. He was after 17, high school. 17. 17, 18, yeah. So we could say, although he was of legal age, perhaps he wasn't mature enough yet to be out on his own. So Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. And with the upbringing that he had, he was not mentally prepared to deal with being by himself. Yes. So when he was driving home one day, he saw a hitchhiker on the side of the road, which, yes, it that it did fit his type. It was a young, fit man with nice arms. Mm-hmm. That was his type. All right. But so they hung. This is they, Stephen they, Hicks, the victim. This is Stephen Hicks, yes. Right. So they go back to Dahmer's house. They're hanging out. They're drinking. They're talking. Then Stephen says, hey, I've still got that concert to go to. I need to go. That's another person that's leaving Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer. First right. the dad left, then the mom left. Now the only friend, because in high school, he didn't really have friends. Right. He had, he was the class clown, but he wasn't somebody that was bonded. Right. He he had his own hobbies. He wasn't popular. He was a big joke. And I don't mean that to sound harsh, but that is the truth. He did things that made people laugh. And people laughed at him. Nobody was laughing with him. Right, right. Um, they were just kind of uh, tolerating him for the sake of their own humor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So then he finally, Stephen Hicks comes up. They're getting along. They're having a good time. And then he's got to go. 
Dahmer panics. Jeffrey Dahmer panics. He picks up a barbell and knocks him in the back of the head, knocks him out. And I mean, the rest is really history. He had to figure out what to do, what to do with the body. And he did. Do you think at that point he felt any remorse or that uh, he um, possibly thought, look what I've done. I need to stop or I need to get help. And if he did feel that, why didn't he? Did he try and get rejected? Because the show kind of showed a few times where he seemed, in my in my viewpoint, to be uh, reaching out like to his dad, especially trying to, in his way, talk to his dad. Um, and his dad just seemed almost like he knew there was something wrong, but he didn't want to really admit it. So um, he kind of seemed to cover for him to a bit. Now, see, the thing is, is in an interview, and I don't remember if it was was with a reporter or with the police, Dahmer state or where I found it, actually, um, Jeffrey Dahmer stated that there's only two that he regretted. Mm-hmm. And that was Stephen Hicks, his first kill, mm-hmm. and Stephen Twomey, because he didn't mean to kill either one of them. And which one is... See, that was the one that he went to the, the bathhouses with, correct? He went to bathhouses with several. And he OD'd. Uh, no, see, Stephen Tuami was the one that he was in the hotel with. And he no, he blacked out and didn't remember killing him. And he went and he got a suitcase and put the suitcase his body in a suitcase, oh, yes, took him back you. to the grandmother's house. It's, uh, it's hard to remember which victim with which name because there were 17, 17 victims. I know. Um, I don't know other than a few, maybe one or two that had a kill-death ratio that high. Um, Now, how do you think, speaking of this, that he could get away with 17 of them for so long? And yet, as we saw in the show, there was complaints of smells, of noise, people screaming. Uh, The show represents his neighbor as calling in saying someone is literally being murdered. You want my honest opinion? Yes. Negligence. Negligence? Okay. Uh, Racial issues. I mean, okay, first of all, the first one, Stephen Hicks, he got pulled over trying to get rid of the body at the dump. He got pulled over with a body and a bag in the back seat. First of all, I know what blood smells like. And I know what a lot of blood smells like. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm. you grow up around hunters or anything like that. You know what it smells like. It smells like copper. Mm-hmm. how did that officer stick his head that close to the window and not smell it well this is true unless uh what maybe perhaps the plastic bags uh kept the smell inside you know now we have these bags for the cat litter that have lavender and things like that okay we're talking in 19 the 1970s we're not talking today let's go a step further these police officers that stop him he's acting like jeffrey Dahmer a little bit off kilter he just kind of makes some vague thing about things in the pa- uh, in the bags in the back. Like you said, they should be able to have the smell if they've been properly trained. Do you think it was just a, a matter of they wanted to just, you know, get back to, you know, home or whatever? And just I think anything is possible. Do you think that um, someone in the, you know, you would think that someone in the department, he's been pulled over. That's going to be in the record because they call it in. Um, right. There's complaints at his house. Lots of complaints. That's going to be on the record. Why wasn't someone... No, 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 the- no, 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 no. Hold on. We're talking about his first murder, which took place at the family home, which was on a large property. I see. I there see. was not complaints at that property. The complaints come way later after he goes to Germany for the military, after he goes to Miami. After he lives at grandma's house, when he's living at the Oxford Apartments in apartment 213, there was a great deal of focus on apartment 213 in the show because that's where a lot of the real brutality, don't get me wrong, it's all brutal, but the real twisted stuff really happened in apartment 213. Okay. All right. But you would still think, though. Forget the location. His name is associated with complaints of noise, smells, through no, over all these years. Not yet. Not yet. I, 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 I recollect something about childhood 
he had gotten in trouble before for molesting someone? That was, yes, you're right, but that's not when he was a child. That was still after military, after Miami, when he moved back. He... So he molested someone. He got, got arrested for exposing after him. After the first murder? Yes. Oh, that is not clear. I, I got it completely reversed in my assessment of the show. Well, see, the show, the way they did it is a little, they kind of bounced. A right, bit. back and forth, correct. Like, um, and if you don't know, if you don't really know the timeline from, like, for yourself, mm -hmm. it can be kind of bouncy. I see, I see. See, but that no. was something that I was like, when they ran his tags, they pulled him, he should, the name should have come up on the database already. Now he's acting weird, like you say, yeah. and then with the no. smell, I get when you. When he was pulled over for Stephen Hicks, he had, he was, Clean. that was it. Clean yeah. right. it, well, I believe so. He might have had some small teenage encounters. Yeah. But yeah, you know. other than that, he was good to go. So that, and then, then he went to college. Failed out of college because of his drinking issues. Correct. He got sent back from college, was getting into trouble. I think that's when he was found masturbating at like a circus or a park or something. I believe that's correct. And then, then the dad said, you've got to do something. So he went to the military and he seemed to be really doing well in the military. Like the structure was excellent mm -hmm. for him in boot camp. Um, and then he went to become a field medic. Okay. But the problems started... And see, the research when I was looking in and what I could have access to was kind of sketchy on what was said, what happened with him in the military. Okay. Okay. Um, what did you find out? There were two cases of Dahmer assaulting other soldiers. Okay. Um, one was held hostage in their, what's it called? Bar barracks? Barracks. Barracks, correct. Um, correct. They apparently had locks on their door. It was two soldiers to a room. They had locks and Dahmer somehow, man Jeffrey Dahmer somehow managed to hold one hostage. And I don't really understand how that worked because like you're military. Correct. When that's you're right. there on base, don't you have a job you're supposed to show up at? That's correct. Normally if you're missing from the job, uh, they would send the MPs back in debt when I was in service to go look for you because uh, you're AWOL. See, when when interviewed about this, he, yeah, when interviewed about it, um, the victim said that Dahmer was able to manipulate their superiors by saying he, that he was just sick and that Jeffrey was going to take care of them. He didn't need to see the medics. Oh. Well, what happened? Oh, um, that would be a failure on your command leadership because normally when a when a soldier gets sick, you do what's called sick call and you go to the clinic. And there they tell you maybe you have the flu and they give you some meds or if you hurt yourself, they'll take care of it. If it's something major, they send you over to the hospital, wherever you need to go. Um, and then you report back. But you you still have to, you know, when I was in again, you report in, a, you know, to report in in the morning and in the afternoon, you had head checks. Um, sometimes we have inspections, things like that. So I, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, after a day or two or three of those, they're like, he's not to anything. Hold on. Um, now, here's the other part of it. Okay. The second victim said that they went to the medic after being assaulted. There was a rape kit and a report filed. Oh. Nothing was ever, nothing ever came of it. And when he inquired about it, everything was gone. Just gone. Well, this happened a lot, especially in the older days. Um, you've seen movies about it, like uh, uh, A Few Good Men. I believe with uh, Tom Cruise, I believe that's what it was called. Um, Code Reds, things like that. A lot of times, those things are detrimental to a career. You know, and I understand that, but that's leadership. just a, that's just another instance where he should have been caught. He should have. Like now, exactly now right. we have now we have him being pulled over the night of Stephen Hicks. Correct. We have him masturbating and being put on probation. Correct. We have him in the military. That's already three instances. My question with the military, like I said, is that was, you know, in my viewpoint, negligent and dereliction of duty on a superior officer, because um, if he's getting in trouble for this and to the point that people are filing rape kits and things like this, and they sweep it under the rug, that's... Um, well, he that's, was eventually discharged. He was eventually discharged. 
that's that's gets rid of the that's problem. When he, yeah, but that's when he went to Miami. Doesn't but help he the victim, yeah. which is still uh, bad for the command. The command should have taken care of this. Now, my question, and this goes again to the command. Again, if this if this person's got a rape kit against him by the victim and all these different things, why was he simply discharged as opposed to sending over to medical or psychological evaluations? Or did they do that and say, man, this guy's messed up. The army doesn't want to deal with this. And that's why they discharge him. Or do you know? See that? I have no idea. I was not able to access anything about Dahmer's military. Uh, military records are usually only available to the veteran and then maybe a survivor of the veteran. Um, or, you know, if they say he was in a classified mission or national security, which they will do sometimes to, you know, protect um, the integrity of the unit or things like that. Uh, another missed opportunity, as you said. What I was able to find was the victim stories. Of course, because I'm sure they went to uh, outside sources, the news, their own lawyers. On Actually, Jag. Um, actually, you would be surprised. After filing the reports, nothing else was done. They didn't talk about it again until they found out he died or had been arrested. Was it had he been arrested or he died? One or the other. Was this because they were in fear that he would come back for him? Who knows? Could we say that this is kind of basically a version of the uh, of the stigma that surrounds ladies in the modern Me Too movement that they won't be believed? Now, that brings up another interesting aspect. And you know where I'm going with it. I can see by your face. Men uh -huh. who have been assaulted. I know it's a big uh, talking point for you. What resources do these guys, because we know he, he attacked uh, members of the LGBTQ community. Um, what resources or avenues do they have to try to get help? Or did they? Think about the time period, man. I am. I would think like, it would be very so, little. Okay. So, all right, we're going to jump ahead and we're going to when he was in apartment 213. Okay. Sounds great. No yes, worries. he did have, he, there was some kills while he was at grandma's and that's a whole nother mess, which at some point we need to talk about the mannequin. Okay. Yes. Okay. We'll get to that here shortly. We'll just let okay. it flow. <laughs> um, but apartment 213. Yes, he was in the hood. I hate to say it, but that was a, a, a poverty impoverished part of town mm -hmm. okay it's the best some people could do it might have been the best that he could do but it worked out to his benefit so the caucasian police officers didn't really like going down there mm -hmm. they are on recordings with their dispatch making snide remarks mm -hmm. um there they they the officers didn't even want to go into jeffrey's apartment when he they found out that he was a homosexual because oh they're gonna catch something that's right i mean come on. That. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with this whether you were afraid of it or not as a law enforcement officer or as a medical uh, first responder or a soldier or anything on those lines it's your job you to be a badass exactly it's your job to take risks and go into these situations um Again, that homophobia and things kicked in, as we know, was prevalent in the times, and, and they just decided to, uh, you ignore. know. Ignore. I mean, in the fact, exactly. look, Conrad, no. Was the victim was in the next room right there within sight if they didn't simply taken two steps forward into the apartment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you have the the kid, the 14-year-old kid, Conrad, oh, I can't ever say his name. Conrad. Exactly. he's the one that after being drugged and after Don Jeffrey drilling into his skull, managed to get out of the apartment and try to get help. But the cops didn't believe the ladies. That kid didn't look grown. No, I mean, I've actually not. seen, I've seen pictures. My question was, was there blood on him? Because they kept saying, look, he's bleeding, um, right? And I would think a drill in the head would be a profuse. Well, bleeding. look, there was the, the, by the ladies accounts, he was bleeding from his head and his buttocks oh wow didn't show that part in the show no um, they didn't but by 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 the reports that i found there was blood in multiple areas so was it highly visible i would think so because the head head wounds bleed a lot it was in the back right here i yeah. see um so the cops they just didn't see this blood they ignored the blood they just thought and oh they he ignored his head. what citizens were saying mm-hmm 
the women, the one of the women actually called the department later asking about it. And Correct. there's, you heard it. Yeah, they I had mean, the recording on it. The, totally on the blew her off. So that goes into a question. Is the 911 system reliable? Um, is it need to be updating it? What are the procedures that have been? Well, it has been updated. I mean, again, we have to look at what time period we're talking about. Technology no, since then, since Dahmer's time, is yeah. there a new way uh, since we have calls from, from uh, you know, witnesses and things to address these? Like as soon as we get one of these, do they have like a hot button boom? Hey, we have a Dahmer type situation here. Or or is it pretty much still the same old standard as always been? The I don't knowledge, think so. To, knowledge. to my knowledge, I don't think so. I think with all the law enforcement agencies and the fact that bias and racial issues are are way less tolerated today than they were then i mean that was a that was a child that was a child mm -hmm. sure was um yeah and that Dahmer, was probably the, the was most uh, shocking was that uh, the police they were right there the victim was right there he was inches from safe walked him back to jeffrey's apartment and they escorted him back correct um the whole time having citizens behind him going that's don't do this don't do this um yeah. so in the show it, it shows that the union protected them and they got into no trouble as a matter of fact they won a ward since that time hold on time, hold, on, hold on hold on all right they were reprimanded they were reprimanded. They were put on. They were suspended for a certain amount of time because okay. of the because of the racial mark, remarks that they made when they called into dispatch. Okay. Okay. They said they had. They somebody called, told them they had to go somewhere else, and they said we might be a minute. We have to go into the station to be deloused. Mm -hmm. They mentioned that like, as well. Like really, really. My um. My question now is thinking on this is um, they didn't they got the three day suspension, which was really a slap on the wrist. Um, they. Uh, I think it was more than three days, but I'm not sure. I, I, for whatever reason, three days sticks in my head. I may be incorrect. I, I would have to revisit the information. Uh, but then they got to uh, um, uh, go back to work. You know, I, I believe they kept all their pay during that time, even when they were suspended, was suspended with pay and this and that, and they were given an award. Since that time, it has more information, like, for example, once they found all the bodies and things of that nature, was there ever any time charges against them for negligence or anything considered by anyone anywhere in the chain? You know, oh, from I'm the mayor sure. to the district attorney of the state to on up. Look, I'm sure somebody somewhere considered it, but whether they verbalized what they were thinking, I I have no so, idea. So basically, no, uh, as far as you know, there were no uh, eventual charges. Hey, look, you were there and you didn't do this. And we have these other things. And when you put them together, you I mean, because the whole department would have to eventually would have to be held liable because, I mean, think about it. How many times did the neighbors complain about the smell or the screaming or the sounds to not only the the apartment manager or landlord or whoever they were, but I have to assume if somebody was smelling death and hearing screams that they were calling the police too. Correct, correct. Well, in the show, it shows these two police officers and I, I believe one other officer, uh, it, it may have been one of the same ones, as being kind of the leads for that area, it seems like. So sort of like a detective, they're the lead on the case. So yeah. how come you couldn't say later on when we find all this, hey, you've come complaints not just by the neighbor next door, but throughout the building, you've answered all these calls, da, 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 da. it was your district, everything's got your name on it, and you missed this. Why? What's going on here? Was there nothing looked into that, or is it the union, like we see in the show, just simply pushed on the road? Negligence. That's it. They just left negligence. it as negligence and covered it up. I mean, negligence and it, like homophobia, racial bias, whatever you want to call it, they didn't do their job. Right. They okay. didn't. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Um, now, I'd be interested. Uh, I know you don't know the answer because uh, this is probably a statute of limitation sort of thing. Could charges be brought against them today? Is there in that state uh, where these murders took a, a statute of limitation? Uh, the only thing that there is, is no statute for is murder. 
So, so negligence and things like that. It's already past time, I would say. It's already way past time. Um, Did you, I missed it if it was on there, but Brian Dahmer, do you know he changed his name? It was a brother. I believe I remember them mentioning it very much and just kind of passing. He was the brother that was taken by the mother. Joyce, yes. Uh, yes, that was about all I recollected mentioning in the show. She took the younger brother, and that was That's it. That's about all it is. But later on, after all of everything came out about his brother, he legally changed his name and disappeared. <laughs> One would... Not blame him. I can't blame I, you know, him. I mean, I can't blame him. You know, they, look, later on, after everything, the investigations and stuff were done, mm-hmm. uh, the apartment complex was demolished. Correct. Maybe the, the, the more wealthy parts of the city went in and bought everything that was going to be auctioned off that was Jeffrey Dahmer's mm-hmm. and had it destroyed because they didn't want the city being known for that. And unfortunately, it still is. Correct. Yeah, the the stigma tends to stick regardless. Um, that's 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 crazy. So here, being doing all the research you've done on Dahmer, I'm going to ask you something from your perspective that would be unique to you. Is there anything about Dahmer that you feel um, is not ever really known or discussed, uh, like an interesting aspect or something like that that perhaps most of us don't know about? I know you studied him pretty well for your your research. Um, one thing that it's it's it goes into the theory that well, yes, he was a monster and crazy and all of these things. In a way, he was also a victim of the times. Okay, hmm. think about everything that was taboo back in the day. Everything was taboo. Liking somebody of a different ethnicity was taboo. Liking somebody of the same gender was taboo. Liking anything out of the ordinary was taboo. Mm-hmm. Now, World Wide Web. Correct. You know, you can find anything, you can order anything and have it delivered in a nice brown package at your door. That's of- true. However, it still could be considered taboo. The availability is still there. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Here's my point. One of Jeffrey Dahmer's intimate issues was he didn't like being touched. He wanted complete control. He wanted to do what he wanted. And that was it. He wanted his and he just wanted to do that. Okay. So that's kind of hard with a living, breathing person. Correct. Okay. Unless you drug them and then kill them. I mean, really. Um, And then that goes into how the cannibalism started. He never wanted them to leave, blah, blah, blah. Let me get back to my point. So today, okay, in the show, it briefly mentioned the mannequin that he stole from the department store. Okay. You remember? I do. He was perfectly happy. Nobody got harmed. He had his companion that he had complete control over. Until grandma found it and flipped the hell out. Which, I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it. That's a little... mm. But had he been living alone in apartment 213... Today, he could have got on the internet, found himself a real life doll, whatever, of any color, any color hair, any body style, any color skin. I mean, he could design his perfect partner and have it delivered to his front door. Nobody would have to know. His needs would be fulfilled. And so maybe that would have been enough for him versus having to go out because he i mean he didn't according to my research he didn't like the actual killing part he liked the after and yeah there was some other weird parts of it but if it had been able to be nipped in the bud early like you know when he was younger Mm -hmm. maybe i could be wrong it's a theory but we'll never know correct so Two, two questions come to mind when, when you discuss these availability of, of these products and stuff. One, is the availability, first of all, um, keep prevent us from seeing 
these kinds of issues with people as far as mental health are concerned because they're at home and they're taking care of it and this and that and this other, right? And it's all good and dandy, like you said. No one's getting hurt and this and that until they do. Meanwhile, they're not showing signs out anywhere because, of course, their needs are being met. So would this actually make the problem a bigger one? And the second question with that is, is um, in another way, uh, by having these, are we promoting perhaps, act, you know, uh, lifestyles, <laughs> for lack of a better term, that may not really be healthy? You know, I mean... Come well, on, I seeing mean, these things are a little bit out there. Look, I'm on that. Look, I'm on that team. I, you know, it, it's not for me, but to each their own. But if his needs were being satisfied at home, mm -hmm. maybe he wouldn't go looking for something elsewhere. That, and that's then have to take it to the extremes because he wants complete control. I could be wrong. You know what I'm saying? I. What well, do you think, though, that? Because they say a lot of people um, uh, will, will engage in a particular behavior and they'll be able to control it for a long time until one day they just can't. Look, and if he I did mean, such a thing, do you think he would have become more of a uh, like a violent psychopath or do you think uh, he would have still kind of been the, the Dahmer that we have become associated with? You know, kind of keeping on down low so they could continue doing the activity. I think he would have still probably been what he was he would have drugged him because it was a control thing but i mean as far as the taboos look i was skimming through the channels the other day and i saw this the show come up that this woman married a roller coaster a roller coaster i've seen a show where a, a gentleman was making love to his car it was like taboo uh something on it was on a yeah. one of the channels I mean, there's another one that has married a raggedy and i mean come on so that's my question then is by having these products and stuff like we just said, by having these programs on TV and that, are we doing a disservice to people with mental health and actually making the problem worse by giving them avenues that kind of promote that activity as opposed to maybe suppressing the activity? Oh, it's it, entirely it, We talked about the times. But, from, my, but from, a, from Jeffrey Dahmer's perspective, what I'm looking at is controlling an impulse. Okay. Um look let's face it the ones that are going on tv announcing these things to the world they're looking for attention that's mm -hmm. that's all there is to it um mm -hmm. i do believe that if, it, if if we were really talking about jeffrey dahmer in this instance it would still be a very private thing right because this is truly more of a disorder or a uh, mental issue thing where some of these others are more of a Look Would at me, say, look at me. Yeah, exactly, a made-up sort of thing, you know. I tend well, to agree that a lot made, of the people... Look, I'm today, not saying that the roller coaster doesn't turn her on, but I mean... Well, I agree. I think a lot world. of today, we've, we've got a lot of citizens in the world that are on drugs or on pills for and things that they just don't need to. And then, of course, with the introduction of uh, preservatives and things in the 70s and all the other things that have come along, I do believe this could be messing with the chemistry of our bodies and our brains. Oh, 100%, um, which goes because into all we're the, doing is adding more chemicals to our body. Exactly. Now, let's get back to Dom. We're bringing this back full circle. Since he grew up in, what, the 60s and 70s, did any of these kinds of changes possibly also exasperate his thing? We're talking preservatives and things like that. We know that he had the drugs in the in, when he was a, a baby and stuff. His mom was on the drugs. Um, right. We know that the surgery and anesthesia may have also Diets, things that he was involved with around besides alcohol. Was there smoking in his house? Was there does any um, other vices? I, I don't know. I don't know. Show didn't seem to point out anything, but until the end, when the father came out and said that he had had thoughts. So I'm thinking if he had thoughts, perhaps how did he end up controlling it just on his own? Or did he have pills in the house? Maybe that's why he was so mad at the mom with the pills. I don't think so. I think that some people with mental health can learn to overcome it. Like, mm -hmm. um, it's not always considered a mental health issue, but attention deficit disorder. Okay. I think that if somebody learns how to establish focus, they might still be kind of scattered, but it doesn't mean they have to take Ritalin. Exactly. Some people okay, can I learn see, to cope. I see what you're saying. But it's not always like that with mental health issues. There are some, time, some people who, at some point in their life, they need the prescription medication because for whatever reason, their brain is not developing enough of the chemical they need or they're developing too much or producing too much and it just it's not 
balanced. But that doesn't mean that they have to be on them forever. Some people can come off of them and be perfectly good the rest of their lives. Some have to go back on them at another point in their life. But somebody like, I mean, going back to Jeffrey Dahmer, somebody like that, I'm pretty sure would be, because according to my research, and it's, look, I'm not a professional, but we're looking at borderline personality disorder, alcoholism, antisocial personality disorder, major depressive disorder, paraphilic disorder. I mean, we're looking, and that's just, that's for a report. Correct. That's not... That is not from any professional. That is me going through the psychology book and seeing, reading, reading the information and trying to figure out for myself. I could be way off, but when I compare it to some of the other diagnoses that he's received or diagnoses he's received from people, some of it lines up, some of it doesn't. Exactly. And the thing is that even the show admits that there's no way with 100% certainty we will know why or how he did or how he came to the conclusion to do his actions, things like that. Um, Very interesting with all that uh, psychology. Now, you mentioned several different things like the uh, antisocial disorder and this and that. They had that back in the 70s, did they not? Was he ever diagnosed as a child? Because in the show, he comes off as a little bit of a loner, outsider type. I don't believe he was diagnosed with anything until he actually got to prison. Uh, I could be wrong, right. um, but I, I I believe he was finally diagnosed with bipolar when he got to prison. I'm not sure. That's what he was, more than I, would. I think that we was, he was only treated for a couple of things. And I mean, but you got to then, I mean, look, that's a whole nother episode when you start getting into the prison uh, medical systems, because and we can do that we can uh we'll we can do that on our next episode we can continue with Dahmer oh, and definitely. Let's, look at, let's look at the oh, no. prison system look. and how his time in there oh that's um, that'll be a whole nother yeah. sequence exactly we can do that on the next one so there we go we'll talk about that next episode getting back to this one um were there other traumatic things in his life besides the ones they showed in the show that may have also affected him that I may not know of you did a little more reading and research? Well, I mean, okay. Some of the things, I wouldn't say that necessarily it was what would be defined as trauma, but could be detrimental to somebody's mental health. Um, like I mentioned before, uh, when Brian's brother was born, the mother doted on him. Not, doted on him. Mm-hmm. That was the favorite. Lionel Dahmer worked long hours, so he wasn't always around. But when he was, it seemed like, based on my research and the show itself, he did try to interact some with Jeffrey, but it was still very limited. And I think that was part of the times, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids were to be seen and not heard and da 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 Right, that is true. That is true. But when when that started, I mean, that would be detrimental to any child, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then there's that. And then we discussed him in high school, not really having friends, but having people that laughed at him. So whether he realized that they were laughing at him or thought they were laughing with him, you want, nobody can really know, but even if there's the slightest chance that he realized they were laughing at him, whether it's positive or negative, attention is attention. Right. But if it's always negative, which when dealing with his parents, it was negative. School was negative. Friends were negative. That tears a person down. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not, I'm not saying that's the cause. I'm just saying it could be a contributing factor. Correct. Correct. You I know, definitely then, think that bullying and, and uh, or isolationism, when they push you out of a, a clique uh, or yeah. a group. Well, that could be just as bad. And then we go into, you know, he didn't, he was not successful in college. Mm-hmm. Um, he then, then it was the military and that was another mess. When he was discharged from the military, he got a plane ticket to Miami, was working at a sub shop and staying in a motel, but his alcoholism took over his life. He couldn't pay his rent. <clears throat> so he ended up sleeping on the beach oh, and then I don't know if they mentioned this either, but um, he was actually questioned in the Adam Walsh case. 
I they didn't mention that. I don't I did not know that. Okay. Tell us more about that part. Um, there's not a whole lot to say. He was questioned twice about it, once when he was still in Miami, but the timelines didn't add up. But shortly after that, he did decide to go home and stay with his grandmother. Oh, um, but later on, even when he was being investigated after his arrest, mm -hmm. he was questioned about Adam Walsh again. And with as open as he was being about all of his other victims, I don't know why he wouldn't have admitted it if it had been him. Yeah, I, that doesn't seem that does seem uh, uh, to be out of the ordinary because he was at the end, uh, very uh, open about what he had done and, and and helped the police, led them, told them what things were. Um, the, the show illustrated that. Do you think that played into his sentencing, that he worked with the police and, and admitted all this stuff? Do you think that's what kept him, for example, from getting executed? Because I would think murdering and eating 17 people, you know, I know he didn't do all 17, but at least a portion of them, uh, would get you a death sentence, you know, that'd be kind of a thing. But was there a death penalty in that state at that time? I don't remember. I'm not sure. That's why I'm asking. Um, See, I'm not sure. I'd have to go look into my research again because I don't, I honestly do not remember. They never really go into detail about it. It just that uh, he got sent to prison. Um, you know, you know, it, it implies yeah, he, um, he goes know. to prison and then he was he was murdered in the in the prison. Um yeah, but it see there you have more examples of how he was he knew what he was doing without a doubt like he knew what he was doing because even once he got to prison there's accounts that he would mess with everybody else in there like he would take his food and shape it into fingers and put ketchup on it mm -hmm. leave it laying around the, the prison or would bite it and go oh i like fingers or whatever it might be i read one they, they report where yeah, I read one report where um, if he knew a guard was a little skittish around him, he would sneak up beside him and go, I bite. And just giggle. Like, I mean, that's that's that, that's creepy. That, that's yeah. creepy mm -hmm. on any way. But then it so makes do you, you wonder. Think that his murder in the show, it shows it was a, a, a fellow inmate who had found God and felt that he was going to be his instrument in punishing this evil person. He was particularly upset about the child, that that the 14-year-old. Um, but do you think that his actions pushed the environment in the, inside the prison to a kind of a boiling point, let's say, because uh, they just thought he was weird and, and yes. nobody liked him? So yes. was he trying to get himself killed, do you think? Because he did ask for the chair. Yeah, you know what? I still, I don't think so because if I'm being real, I think he had a little bit of a God complex. You I think mean, he just thought he was above them and they were all like... A little bit? you would think he got so many years and so many victims and, and did so many different things right in front, like we, the police officers were two steps away, literally from the body sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, I could see that, getting a God complex which is a whole nother issue when they were in there and he was doing the, uh, you know, he was doing his confession and they were talking to him and, and doing an analysis. Did they look into that? Did he have psycholo a psychologist assigned to him? Shrink. Yes. Um, one in particular, I can't remember his first name, but it's Dr. Dietz. Uh, Dr. Dietz was one of them. Um, and the main reason I remember that is because he also did another case many years later that I was interested Andrea Yates's case. Um, but Dr. Dietz was one of them, and I can't remember many details from Dr. Dietz, except for, uh, yeah, he was crazy. Wow. Did Were they the ones that um, wanted to to study his brain or send it off for research, the, the, the prison psychiatrist, or was it some outside source that was interested in? I think it was outside sources. I really don't think the prison had too much interest beyond keeping him pretty maintained. Maintained, yes. Maintained. I wouldn't say secure. Um, <laughs> because I, I won't say secure. The, I the show won't even say shows stable. the guard leave the area so the other prisoners can basically do what they want to do. Yeah, and that's um, what it boils down to. Um, so then, let me just ask you, um, uh, for, for the sake of the conversation here, as he was murdered in the prison, was there an investigation into how he was suddenly been able to be left alone with other prisoners and where were the guards and this sort of thing? Or was it like the other police officers kind of swept under the rug? 
I'm going to take it that's swept I mean, under the rug. <laughs> I, I didn't read too much about it. I think there was an inquiry, but I don't think there was a true investigation. I could be wrong, so don't quote yeah, me. Yeah, the anything. infamous inquiries. Yes, yes. We have those today uh, in Congress. You know, we know all how that works. So, um, yeah. well, I think that's a, I think we've reached a pretty good starting point. We've got a few points that Definitely. we'll go in more detail. Uh, we're reaching kind of into the time for today. So uh, to next next session, you want to continue this discussion? Uh, I think we've pretty much covered Dahmer pretty well. I think it's time to move on to the next one. You want to go to the next one? All right. Anything in particular or you want to let the audience guess? Um, let's let them guess for now. We'll post it in a few days after we discuss it. All right. Sounds good to me. Well, it's been great here talking with you. We're going to sign off for now. This is the bandwagon and we hope you all enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.